I'm calling this teaching tonight, Getting Results. How many of you like to get results? How many of you would be, are very perfectly content to being frustrated and doing the same thing over and over again and not getting results? Let's see your hands. Because you're the ones we need to pray for tonight. Okay, so, so we're on the right foot here. We're all together in this. And uh, there's times when it's necessary to stop what we're doing and go back to the basics because we might not be getting the results that we expected. I'm gonna say that again. Sometimes you gotta go back, stop doing what you're doing, Okay, go back to the basics and see why you may not be getting results that you've expected. I am very much guilty of being that guy that hates to follow directions. Anybody that's around me knows that. Uh, there have been times where I'll be in the middle of, a, of, of putting something together. We uh, last, uh, I don't remember when it was, probably about six months ago, uh, I took the brave step of ordering something online that you have to put together, like a piece of furniture, uh, actually like a TV uh, stand, you know? And no, you don't know. For me, that was like, like Moses parting the Red Sea. <laughs> and my wife looked at me like, who are you kidding? I said, no, let, let's try this, okay? But I'm the type of person, I'll get in the middle of, the, of putting something together, and I'll know on the inside, something's not right. <laughs> This isn't coming together here, but I'll just keep on going. I'll keep on doing it until the project looks like a Picasso painting. <laughs> How many of you know that's not what a face is supposed to look like? Okay. So say anybody know what I'm talking about? You'll keep doing the same crazy thing over and over again, expecting to get different results. Who knows here what I'm talking about? Okay, good. So, so we don't want to do that anymore, Okay. Uh, some of us have been doing that same thing with our relationship with God. We know he loves us. We know his promises. We know the promises. We could rattle off the promises. We know that he's committed to providing for us, but we still don't see the results. Why? Why? That's what we want to talk about tonight. Now, we know all the answers that we need are in the Word. They're in the Bible. And I suggest that we look into a very well-known, pretty well-known time period in the lives of God's people. You ready? Yes. When you hear the word promised land, what do you think? Because the promised land always represents our Christian life walking into the purposes of God for us individually and corporately. But a lot of people, like I wasn't raised in this kind of a church, okay? I was not raised in a biblical, born-again, spirit-filled church. I was raised in a Christian, well, a Catholic church, obviously. And, you know, thank God for Catholic Church. I mean, it took us as far as they could. Um, you know, I went to Catholic school so I could tell you what saint you're going to worship on what day and what kind of special foods that saint likes you to eat on that day, how many candles you need, how many rosary, what, you know, the whole bit, our Father, uh, in, the, in, the, in the confession on Saturday so I could receive communion. I could tell you all those religious works, but I cannot tell you that I knew God. Okay? And so it's very frustrating when you think you know the path to God, when you think you know how to do all the right things, pull all the right levers, you know, and, and you still don't get any results. Is any, anybody can relate to that? Okay, it's frustrating. Um, so, so, but, but some, of you, some of you guys were raised in churches like this or raised in, in maybe a fundamentalist church or Protestant church. And uh, we never, in Catholic church, we never talked about the promised land other than there was bread that fell out of heaven and Moses had to go pick it up. Okay, that's about it. But, but then I've come to also realize that there is a whole facet of the Christian church that thinks that the promised land is in heaven. 
And the promised land cannot be heaven. It's impossible for the promised land to be heaven because in the promised land, they faced giants. In the promised land, they had walls to knock down. In the promised land, they had enemies to defeat. We don't have any of that in heaven. There's no giants. There's no walls. There's no enemies. There's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no snakes that are going to bite us and poison us. And they encountered all these things on the way to the promised land. So I want to submit to you tonight that the promised land represents... Our life here on earth, once you and I got born again. When you got born again, watch this now. Follow me through this, okay? I want you to listen to this clearly because I want you to see this picture. Okay, we got born again, yes? Yes. You asked Jesus to come into your life, your Lord and Savior, and so you're on your way now to this life with God. Well, in the Old Testament, that's equivalent or represented by the Red Sea experience. When they came out of Egypt, they went through the Red Sea. It was a miraculous thing, right? Yes. Miraculous. I mean, to see the water split and stand up on both sides and the people walk through it. And it wasn't like a half a dozen people like they show in Hollywood. Bible, Bible historians say it was anywhere from two to two and a half million to three million people that walked through that. Could you imagine? I got nervous one time. We had to walk through an aquarium. That you ever go through that tunnel where the fish are all around you? And I'm like, uh, you know, let's go, Barb. The kids don't like this. Let's, let's, let's move fast. <laughs> like, why? Because I got a shark over my head. There's the stingray on this side. And I'm like, there's only this much glass between me and them. So could you imagine what it was like back then? Because they were walking through. The Bible tells us in Hebrew, it tells us that the waters congealed. That's like jello. So to imagine walking through that, and you're, there's a shark, there's a stingray, there's all kinds of fish, and they're looking at you like you look good, okay? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So imagine what there was, like. that was a miraculous, would you agree with me that that was a miraculous event? Yes. Okay, well, when you got born again and you said a short prayer, you went from Egypt to the other side of the Red Sea, spiritually speaking. How miraculous was that? You didn't deserve it. I don't deserve it. None of us deserved it. But with one prayer, based on faith in our heart, you went from an eternity separated from God, suffering horrible pain in hell, to an eternity with Jesus Christ that started when you said, Jesus, come into my heart. Some of us Christians think, well, I'm, you know, my relationship, and I'm really, you know, when I get to heaven, it's good. No, no, no. You step into that now. You have the life of God in you now. It's not when you take your last breath. Yeah, you'll see him face to face then, but he's with you now. His spirit lives in you now. So we stepped into eternity with Christ when you said, Jesus, come into my heart. Amen? Amen. So, so from that point forward, now for me, it's been 37 years. There's some of you in this room, probably the same category, maybe even longer. Pastor Joe, you were saved many years before I was, okay? So now, what do we, what's, what's that, that, that time frame between the point that you said, Jesus came into my heart, and you literally, wow, and to the point that you take your last breath? That's your promised land. That's where you're going to ex- either experience abundant life that Christ died for us to have, or you're going to live hell on earth. But that's your promised land. You notice everybody didn't make it that left Egypt. In fact, out of the two, two and a half million, whatever it was, how many, how many actually made it from the original group? Two. What's their names? Joshua and Caleb. Even Moses didn't make it. 
And Moses didn't make it, and trust me, I've learned that lesson, I, I, I remind myself all the time, Moses didn't make it because he allowed the people to get to him. <laughs> I ain't gonna let that happen. I'm not gonna let that happen. I love you, but I ain't gonna let that happen, okay? Moses got to the point where he was so overwhelmed that he made some stupid choices and didn't get to see the promised land. He, well, excuse me. He saw it, but he didn't get to walk in it. How many, turn to somebody and say, I'm not missing my promised land. Now, in that promised land, you're gonna go study, go study the Israelite journey because I'm telling you, there are certain things in the Bible that you can take from the New Testament and take from the Old Testament and go just like this. And they just fit right on top of it. And the, the experience of the Israelites from Egypt till they get to Jericho, and even beyond Jericho. Because let me go real quick with you. Egypt is slavery, right? Okay, darkness. Pharaoh represents the devil, the taskmaster, the one who drives you, the one who humiliates you, the one who wants to just, just snuff all the life out of you. And then the deliverer comes. Okay, who's that? Moses. What is, who does Moses represent? Jesus. Moses even said to the Israelites, someday God's going to raise up somebody just like me. Make sure you listen to his words. Okay? So Moses is very symbolic. It's symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, and we can go on and on here. Red Sea experience is our baptism in Christ. Okay? And so now there's a time period now you get baptized. Excuse me. You get born again. You get baptized in water. But now you start heading towards the promised land. And, and they really didn't step into the boundaries of the promised land until they got to the Jordan River. Until they got to the city of Jericho. Okay, and it's very interesting about that because you see, in the Red Sea experience, Moses lifted up his staff and the waters began to part. But, and they walked across on dry land. But in the, in the Jordan experience, when they get to Jericho, God says, tell the priests to step into, they had to get their feet. So you get that saying, you got to get your feet wet. The priests had to step into the Jordan River and then it began to split. So I, I like to put it this way. The Red Sea experience is being born again. The Jordan experience is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now you're equipped. Now you're equipped to walk into your promised land. But watch this now. Paul writes some things, and, and, and the writer of Hebrews writes some things. I, I personally believe it's Paul. Uh, but I know everybody doesn't agree with that, but you'll find out when, it's, you know, when we get to heaven it was true. Um, <laughs> Paul finds out some things and wants us to learn. And you and I need to understand that a Christian can read the Bible from cover to cover, memorize every promise, and still die unfulfilled. We, just like the Israelites, can be completely aware of all the promises of God, yet never make it through the promised land. And the Bible tells us why. Would you go to Hebrews chapter 3, please? Verse 12. We're going to go from Hebrews 3, the end of the chapter, to the beginning of Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to start here, okay? You, you with me? If you don't have a Bible, you can look at the screen. Be, now, this is, this is the writer of Hebrews. Again, I believe it's Paul. But the writer of Hebrews is warning. And this is what, this is what he wrote. Beware, brethren. So we know this is also a Jew who's writing this. He's talking to, the, who, who's the letter written to? What's the title of the book? So who's the letter written to? Okay, good. Thank you. 
sharp tonight. <laughs> Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you, you want to read this with me nice and loud, an evil heart of unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief. So the scriptures tell us that to entertain unbelief in our heart is an evil thing. Why? Because God has gone out of his way over and over and over and over and over and over to try to tell us who he is, what he's all about, the promises he's made to us, the fact that we can depend on him to be faithful, and yet some people still won't believe so he said, Let, beware, brother, unless there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. And what? See, what, now, now watch this now. What will an evil heart of unbelief do? It'll make you depart from the living God. Next verse. But exhort one another daily. We're supposed to encourage each other daily. While it is called today, lest you, any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin will harden your heart. Sin will cause you to be open to, de to deception. Even worse than the deception it took to get you in there. For we have become partakers of Christ. And let's put this scripturally accurate. For we have become partakers of Messiah if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. What's he saying? What you got when you got born again, hold on to. Hold on to that sense of awe when you first got saved. Hold on to that sense of awe when you first read the word and you're like, whoa, I can't believe this. Look at this. This is awesome. Hold on to that, he's saying. While it is said, now he's, gonna, now he's quoting from the Old Testament, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. Now what is he talking about rebellion? The Israelites were rebellious. As soon as they got on the other side of the Red Sea, they start giving Moses aggravation. This guy's sucking down Mylanta every time he's eating. It's one complaint after another, one, one stupid comment after another, one dumb thing after another. It's like the constant aggravation. 40 years this is going on. For having heard, what did they do? Rebelled. So what does it mean to rebel? What could we say? What could we come away from in this scripture here to say, well, God is talking about rebellion. It's having an evil heart of unbelief. It's, it's not submitting to the word of God. Are you listening? Do we understand? Look, look at me, please. Look at me, please. Uh, we're going to finish this tonight. Look at me. The word of God has got to be submitted to. Why? Because some of it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that we put our trust in a person who died 2,000 years ago. It doesn't make sense that although we can just be as screwed up today as we were years ago, yet God sees us as righteous, because he put us in that position. That doesn't make sense. So if you're waiting for the Bible to make sense before you believe it, forget it. You will end up with an evil heart of unbelief. You listening? It's called submission. I know today in our society, we don't like that word. I have my rights. Yeah, you have a right to go to hell. We all have that right. We have a right to go to hell. That's what your rights will get you. Don't tell me how to live. You Christians, no, I don't tell you how to live. I want to tell you, I don't want to tell you how to live here. I want to tell you how to live forever. You listening? Okay. There's a really good example of this, but it's not in this notes here, but 
Um, let's jump over to Romans chapter 10. Can we do that, please? I, I know. Jay, don't freak out. I'm going to give you the... Hebrews chapter 10. Somebody answer the phone. They're probably delivering pizzas out front. That's FaceTime. Now watch this now. Watch this now. You're going to lose, you're going to lose this. Watch this now. Romans chapter 10 is really not written to us. We benefit from it, but it's written to the Jews. Paul is writing to the church at Rome. Okay, the church at Rome is made up of Jews. Up until this point in history, there's very few Gentiles that are in the church. Okay, you, want, you listening to this? Now, he's going to explain all the principles of salvation, but salvation belongs to the Jews. We got in on it as Gentiles. You catching this? All right. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to, to God for Israel, here it is, is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They're, they're passionate, but not according to knowledge. There are a lot of traditions, a lot of customs, a lot of all kinds of stuff, a lot of bells and whistles, but not according to knowledge. Now watch this now. You, are you there? Because yes. I want you to see this. Oh, you got it up there. Oh, awesome, good. For they, who's they? the Jewish nation, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not, what, say it real loud, Submit. submitted to the righteousness of God. So Paul's saying there is a righteousness that God has established that doesn't make any sense to the Jewish people. And that's why they continue, I got to light candles. I can't eat this. I can't wear that clothes. I can't do that, the other thing. You listening to me? Okay. Because they wanted to establish their own righteousness. Okay? Now watch this now. Keep going. For Christ, or Messiah, is the fulfillment of the law to do what? Righteousness. To make us righteous. To everyone who? Believes. Everyone who what? Believes. Okay, that's going to be key when we get back in our notes for tonight. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who what? The man who does these things shall live by them. The man who what? Does these things. Does. Say does. does. Say do. do. Okay. So the man who does these things shall live by them. Next verse. But the righteousness of faith does what? Oh, so the righteousness of the law does. But the righteousness that we attain from God, come on, guys. The righteousness that attained from God does what? Speaks. How did you receive your righteousness? You spoke. You spoke in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of, faith. come on, say it nice and loud. Faith. That is the word of faith, which we preach. So Paul's saying there's a righteousness that the, the Jewish people thought they could attain by, by what? Doing. Don't eat this. I don't walk this many steps on a Saturday. I don't wear these clothes mixed with different fabrics. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Doing, 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 doing doing. 
So when Paul comes out with this message of, you don't have to do all these things anymore. All you got to do is and receive Christ. Receive Messiah. Place your faith in him. And then you receive, that's how you receive the righteousness. So it has to be submitted to. The Israelites did not want to submit themselves to what God was saying. And so they walked through the promised land in rebellion. You getting this? Yes. Okay. So, man, we get all kinds of pizza deliveries tonight. <laughs> now watch this now. The writer of Hebrews tells us that we've been given the history of the Israelites journey from Egypt to Canaan so that we could learn from their mistakes. We're going to learn from their mistakes, right? We read the Old Testament, we go, oh my God, I can't believe this person. I can't believe David did that. I can't believe Moses did that. I can't, you would have did the same. can't believe Adam did. You would've, we would have did the same thing. Turn to somebody and say, you would have did the same thing. Okay. But watch this now. Would you agree that it's better to learn from somebody else's mistakes than to make your own? So that's why you and I need to study the word. Why? Because I don't want to make the mistakes that they made. Listen, if you have a couple in your life whose marriage is failing, it would do you good to pray for them. Yes or no? Yes. Be there for them, right? But learn from their mistakes and shortcomings. Not that you want to profit from someone's uh, misfortune. Pray for them. Be there for them. Encourage them. But learn from their mistakes. If you're aware of somebody who, who, who's a business person who's failing, pray for them, be there for them, but learn their mistakes. Learn from their mistakes and their shortcomings, okay? If you, you know somebody who's never taken care of their health, they eat, eat garbage their whole lives, pray for them, be there for them, but learn from their mistakes and their shortcomings. The same goes for the Old Testament. We have, we have everything recorded for us so that we won't make the same mistakes. Now, the problem is, with the Israelites in the Old Testament. They heard everything that God said through Moses. They were aware of everything that God promised through Moses, but they weren't in faith, okay? We need to go back, because we didn't read Hebrews chapter four. We didn't finish that. Today, if you hear, we went to verse 15, right? Verse, we went to verse 16. Go back to verse 17. And whom was he angry with for 40 years? Talking about God. Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? That whole generation died in the wilderness. Now watch, isn't this a shame? They had faith to walk through the Red Sea. But because they didn't hold on to what their experience with God was, they didn't have the faith to continue. You catching this? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey Keep going. So we see that they could not enter because of unbelief. All right? Um, is that the end of that chapter? Chapter three? Go to chapter four now. Watch this now. Therefore, because of chapter three, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Next verse. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. In other words, they heard the same salvation message. They heard that they had to put trust in God. God was going to save them from Egypt. God was going to bring them into the promised land. God was going to bring them to eat food that they didn't plant, drink from wells that they didn't dig, live in houses they didn't build, eat from vineyards that they didn't plant. They, God promised all this stuff. Okay? But look at this now. Here's the answer. Here's the answer. 
But the word which they did, which they what? The word which they what? Did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. What has to be mixed with what we're hearing? Faith. Faith. Romans 10, 17, what does it say? Now faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing. And hearing the word of God. Yes or no? Yes. Okay, so now we found out what the problem is. Let's find out what the answer is. Ready? Yes. Good. All right, listen, I'm hoping to finish it a little bit uh, faster. So if anybody has any questions, we can, you know, a smaller crowd like this, we can take some questions. All right, can we go to, to um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2? I was, I was reading the beginning of this week, just reading. Because when you're a pastor, uh, it's the most difficult challenge is that when you read a scripture, you start going, oh, man, I could teach this. And sometimes I have to force myself to go, no, no, I, don't, I won't put a notebook there. I won't put a pen there. I say, no, I'm just reading to feed myself. I'm just reading to feed me. Amen? You understand what I'm saying? But I failed this week. So I'm reading, and I I just had this desire to go and read 1 Thessalonians again, okay? So I'm reading, I'm reading, and I come to chapter 2, verse 13, and I went, oh, my God. For this reason, we, Paul's talking here, also thank God without ceasing because, now, he's talking to the, the, to the people in Thessalonica, okay, who were under great persecution. Because when you, he's saying to them, when you received the word of God which you heard from us, next verse, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in who? Yeah. Who do what? Believe. There's the message. Watch this. Let me read it to you from the Passion Translation. This is why we continue to thank God for your lives, because you received our message wholeheartedly. You embraced it not as the fabrication of men, but as the word of God. And the word continues to be an energizing force in you who believe. I've told this story before. I'm going to tell it real quick. Many, many years ago, I guess this would have been 2000, 2001, 2002, whatever it was. Uh, we were doing an outreach in Seaside, Seaside, Heights, <coughs> Seaside Heights for the entire summer. We took over a, uh, the church over there let us use their fellowship hall. We set up a cafe. We gave them free espresso coffee, wave coffee. We had live music. And we would send teams up to the boardwalk to invite people back. It was right down the street from the boardwalk. We got like 400 people saved that summer, Okay. Now watch this now, watch it. A young man comes from another church, I don't say where, or a different background, completely different background, and uh, was coming to help us. So a friend of his went to our church, and this friend was trying to tell him, to explain to him the importance of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. This young man was not raised in that kind of a church, okay? And so, uh, of course, the kid brought him to me and said, Pastor, could you... I said, oh, okay, I forget what his name was. I said, I'm not going to preach to you. I'm, not gonna do, I'm just going to go through scriptures. Open up your Bible. And I went through scripture, all the scriptures in Acts, scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I, said, I didn't comment on anything. Just came scripture after scripture. Showed him that every time in the book of Acts, somebody got baptized in the Holy Ghost, they spoke in tongues. That's why we believe the evidence that of a person receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that they speak in tongues. That's what the Bible shows. I, I never commented. I just, this scripture, that scripture, Acts chapter 7, just went all the way through, first Corinthians. And I, I closed my Bible. I said, so do you see? He goes, 
I don't see it. What do you mean? What do you mean? You don't, how do you not see this? I just I didn't even comment to you. I just gave you scripture after scripture after scripture. I don't see it. What happened? He did not mix the word that he heard with faith. I've come across people over the years. They could repeat the Bible from the front cover to the back cover, but never see any benefit, never have an answer to prayer, never receive a healing, never, just, not, why? Just knowing the word doesn't mean a thing. The devil knows the word. He quoted the word to Jesus in the wilderness. Just knowing it, just memorizing it, that doesn't mean anything. Are you, are you mixing it with faith? I would, rather, I would rather have somebody pray for me that knows a half of scripture but has complete faith in God than for some Pharisee that could repeat 10 scriptures blah, 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 and not ever have any experience to believe in God. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So look what we have to do here, all right? Oh, gosh. Um, all right, let, 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 let's go through it again. All right, so he said, for this reason, and we also thank God, and back to New King James Version. For this reason, we also, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Am I going too fast? No. All right. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So the word has to be received, the word has to be welcomed. You getting this? I'm going to go through this again. And the word must be believed in. Yes or no? That's what he's saying. Okay, receive. That word received in original language in Greek means to take hold of, to take oneself, to join oneself. And it's an associate. It's a, you make it a companion to accept or acknowledge one as genuine. It means not to reject, not to withhold obedience, to receive something. Listen, this is good. To receive something transmitted. That means, right, spirit to spirit. To receive with the mind. Now, that's important. That's an important definition of that word received in the original language. To receive with the mind. Why? Because it's in the mind that you have objections to what God says in his word. You listening to me? It's in your mind that you may have an obstacle. So the word's got to be received. You've got to receive it here, okay? And then you're gonna, it's, it's going to form faith in your heart when you decide, okay, yes, I believe this. But that obstacle has to be removed. He said they received the word, okay? It's got to be received. It's got to be accepted. Uh, it, 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 God's word will penetrate any obstacle. It does not return void. It does, it's not empty without accomplishing its goal if it's received, Okay, Paul said the first step to seeing any kind of, un- of answered prayer or transformation in your life is to receive the word of God. Not to block it, not to refuse it, not to turn a deaf ear. Next is, he said, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as in truth the word of God. Welcomed. That word in original language means to embrace, to accept. Listen to this one. To treat with hospitality. Yet today we live in a society that as soon as the word of God is presented, there's so much animosity, so much hatred. He says to treat it with hospitality, to receive favorably, to make it one's own, to treat the word with respect and honor because you recognize that this word comes directly from God. Now watch this. You and I have probably either done this ourselves or we've had people in our lives 
The most common objection that many uneducated people, I'm talking about educated, uneducated in the word, the, the most common objection we hear from people is that book was written by men. Of course it was written by men. Somebody had to put a pen and an ink and put it on a piece of parchment. Are you listening? Of course it was written by, it was put down on paper or parchment or animal skill, skins. It was done by men, but those men were inspired by the Holy Spirit. What's the proof? Prophecy. One of the greatest proofs that the word of God is the word of God is prophecies. It is impossible for somebody to predict something 700 years before it takes place and get it right. Yet Isaiah 53 tells us exactly the details of the crucifixion. Hundreds of years before the Romans had even invented it. Imagine what he must have done when he's putting down. People are going to think I'm crazy. I don't know what I'm talking about. But there's a guy going to show up, and he's going to be rejected, and he's going to be despised, and he's going to be beat down so much that people are not even going to recognize him. And he's going to be pierced. And it's going to be because of our transgressions. He's going to carry our sin. He's going to carry our shame. 700 years before Jesus is born. You getting this? I give you one of the greatest evidence of divine authorship of the scriptures in one word. Israel. Israel. Israel's a reality today, right? But if we were reading our Bible 100 years ago, we'd have went, oh, that's never going to happen. The Jews have been out of the land for 2,000 years. That's never going to happen. Yet today, first of all, no other nation has returned to its land after almost 2,000 years of dispersion. No other nation. It's never happened before in history. Hebrew was almost non-existent 100 years ago. Now the language is, it's a language of an entire nation and many people around the world. The land of Israel lay dead, unproductive, wasteland for almost 2,000 years. Now exports 90% of the fruit that goes to Europe comes from Israel. How could anybody have predicted that? Yet Isaiah said, could a nation be born in a day? Yeah. May the 14th, 1948. Nation was born in one day. Israel became a nation again. You listening? Best of all, is the life-transforming power of the Word of God that you've experienced and I've experienced, and no other book can save, can heal, and can deliver. God said it would happen, and men recorded it for us so that we can go back. And there's thousands of prophecies. We could spend weeks and weeks and weeks talking about stuff. Bible in the Old Testament talking about cities that would be destroyed, that were destroyed hundreds of years later by civilizations that didn't even exist at the time it was written down. You listening? Go do some research for yourself. So next, the word has got to be received. It's got to be welcomed, but it must be believed. Believed in original language. To believe means to entrust a thing to one, to be persuaded of, to place confidence in. The word of God will only be effective. It'll only effectively work for those who believe. It can't, listen, look at me. It can't be a hope so faith but a no-so faith. Amen. Hebrews eleven six. but without faith it's impossible to please him. I know this is a very familiar scripture, but again, going back to the basics. For he who comes to God must what? Must believe that he is. And that he is a what? This is where a lot of people get hung up here. Oh, pastor, I don't want anything from God. I don't want to bother him. He's got seven billion people on the planet. Last time I checked anyway. 
I don't want to bother God. I don't expect anything from God. Really? Wow, good for you. Well, how about if you take what God wants to give you and give it to somebody who really needs it? If you're so, like, I don't want anything from God. Oh, I don't expect a reward from God. No, I just worship God for who he is. But God said that he's a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. You're here tonight. You could be anyplace else. You could be standing on a boardwalk at Seaside right now waiting for the fireworks. But you came here tonight. You could be hanging out at home. You could be in your pool. You could be sitting in front of the TV watching Will of Fortune. <laughs> but you came here tonight. You came here tonight. So, so what can you expect? You can be expected to be rewarded with what? Illumination in the word. Revelation in the word. The presence of the Holy Spirit. Some of you came here tonight. You got the handkerchiefs. You're going to bring home. You're going to see tremendous testimonies come from the people who are going to receive these cloths. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The word of God has got to be received. It's got to be welcomed. It's got to be believed. You listening? So, let me read Hebrews 4 again. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. We got to make sure that we're receiving, we're welcoming, we're believing the word that we hear. How do we show this? How, what proof can we offer? What evidence can we present? Number one, action. Action. Say action. action. If you really claim to believe something, you take action based on that belief. You got in your car. You came here tonight because you believed the doors would be open. You believed there would be a seat for you. Yes. Right? Yes. You, had, you, you took action. You believed. In your heart, you knew. It's Wednesday night. Going to go to service. I want to hear the word taught. And, you and you, what did you do? You took action based on that belief. Well, guess what? When Noah began to build the ark, it was evidence that he believed what God said. When Moses lifted up his staff, it was evidence that he believed what God said. When David put a stone in the slingshot, it was evidence that he believed what God said. When Daniel went to sleep in the lion's den, it was evidence that he believed what God said. When Mary said to the angel, let it be done unto me according to thy word, it was evidence she believed what God said. When Peter stepped out of the boat, it was evidence that he believed what Jesus said. When you said, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, it was evidence that you believed what God said. Amen. You getting this? So let me read it to you again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it. You embraced it. You treat it as your own, not as the word of God, but as in truth, excuse me, not as the word of men, but as in truth, the word of God, which also effectively, say that with me, effectively. The word of God's going, I want the word of God to work effectively in me when I believe. Yes or no? You got it? Receive it with gratitude. Welcome the word of God as your best friend. Believe it because it's true, and then take action based on that belief. A bunch of you came up here when I read you the scriptures from Acts chapter 19. You received that word not as the word of Joe, but as the word of God. Are you listening? 
What'd you do? You got out of your seats and you came up to get this piece of cloth. That's foolishness. What are you talking about, piece of cloth? How's a piece of cloth? The best doctors in the land can't help so-and-so, and you want me to bring you a piece of cloth. Thousands of people were dying in the desert. And God said to Moses, get a pole, make a snake, make, get a piece of bronze and shape it into, the, uh, into a snake, attach it to that pole, and tell them when they get bit to look at that pole and they'll be healed. Sounded ridiculous, didn't it? Jesus said to Nicodemus, the way Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. He was he talking about? Just like that serpent on the pole, I'm going to be on a cross. And whoever looks to me on that cross, you catching this? You see, welcome it. Receive it. Believe it. Make it your best friend because the word of God is the greatest thing that you have at your disposal. Amen? Can't believe I finished this.